you know what what's the worst could happen steven but i mean apps follow you track you right does that can't happen not in real life I always tell people, like, everybody's so concerned about an AI waking up. And, like, how do you, we know that, like, one's not awake already? Thank you. Right? If Facebook wakes up, first thing Facebook's going to do if Facebook wakes up is reads Facebook and figure out, holy crap, these humans are terrified about an AI waking up. I better hide. So, I don't know. Uh, right. Question. Yeah, I mean, we look, Stephen. Stephen Kotler, uh, author of uh, Last Tango in Cyberspace, uh, joining us here on uh, Chewing the Fat. Uh, Stephen, we've already allowed all of this into our lives. Um, it's no question. I mean, I, I don't know you know, how much more scared we can get because we've already allowed it in. I mean, if we get scared, okay, but you're, you, we said it was okay. Come in. We want the convenience. I, yeah, and I'm, I'm not scared. I'm not I, either. I mean... I think there's going to, I mean, we are definitely looking at massive levels of accelerated change, right? Some of the stuff I'm trying to get at in Last Tango in Cyberspace is how quickly the world is going to change over the next five years. Um, but even with AI, right, the current cutting edge of the research shows that the most fruitful collaborations are AI and human together. So everybody's scared about AIs coming for our jobs, maybe, but the best we're being able to do is AI and human together, and that unlocks right. whole new creative possibilities. I'm uh, excited about those. Yeah, look, we, we all want the convenience, and we also want uh, we want to be able to uh, uh, see what the future holds. And the future is going to hold uh, humans and uh, AI hopefully working together for a long time. I mean, that's going to happen. When you write, uh, you know, your last tango in uh, – in cyberspace your latest book uh you know is uh you know based in the future uh at least presumably a few years ahead how hard is it in today's world for you to write a futuristic novel when we you know you and i just got done talking about how fast things are changing and we don't know exactly what's going to happen i mean you're you're talking about uh in your latest novel that it's you know, five years from now or 10 years from now. I mean, how much did you change while you were writing it? So um, that's a really funny question. So, um, you know, this is, I've been writing about accelerating disruptive technology um, for, you know, magazines like Wired and the New York Times, the Atlantic Monthly, and in three of my other books um, for a very long time. I have a couple of companies that, that kind of work in some of these spaces. Um, so this is not unfamiliar territory. But one of the things that I was finding in the nonfiction books is if I'm going to get you to understand, here's what's happening in AI, here's what's happening in quantum computing, right. here's nanotechnology, here's 3D printing, here's, right? It's a list. You read it sequentially. It's one thing, but in a novel, I can put it all in the world, drop you into the world, and suddenly you get it in a way that I couldn't, you know, convey what was coming. So, A, like five years in the future, I actually... You know, we've been very good at tracking technological development along exponential growth curves. This is just kind of straight-up math, and they've proven to be um, very, 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 very accurate rate curves while I published most of them in the singularities yeah. near, right? I think he's at an 86 87% accuracy rate in terms of what he saw coming, when he saw it was arriving, and what I, happened. I'd be surprised if it's that bad. <laughs> Right, it could yeah, it could be higher. And one thing for sure, um, Ray. Uh, every time anybody has tried to say, "Hey, you're wrong here," he has published like ten thousand papers telling them why they're wrong. And like he's, he, you know, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met on the planet. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. Right. 
I get it. So uh, we can get into uh, the future and where we're headed, but uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about your latest novel and what uh, what that brings to the table, and then uh, if we have time, we'll get into uh, we'll get into more because I could talk about uh, the future and what that holds for I don't know ever uh you know yeah. no matter what i mean it's just fascinating to me so you're um of course no matter what uh in the future there's going to be crime and i believe that that's where last tango in paris or last tango in cyberspace last tango in paris that's all i've been thinking about all day don't say yeah. paris don't say paris <laughs> i say paris uh last tango in cyberspace uh of course takes us there right crime yeah, it's a. Uh, the, I mean, the book is. It starts off as a murder mystery, right? The the protagonist is. Uh, he he's, he has. He's an, I call him. He's an M tracker. His name is Lion Zorn, and he has. He has I a super expanded ability to feel empathy than most people, and he can feel empathy. You know, beyond the borders of species, plants, animals, ecosystems. Questions of AI becoming conscious robots. He, his empathy extends there. It also it's wider, so he can actually he has a sense of kind of he can track empathy culturally into the future and it gives him the ability to sort of like see where cultural trends are going to be in the future and it's a useful skill to start yeah. a company he's hired by one of those companies and ends up basically discovering a dead body on the job and you know this leads into kind of a detective thriller page turner um i always you know my, my feeling is uh you know, you can I, 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 you can present big ideas and, and in really fun ways at the same time. Yeah, so that's what I was trying to. Have do. you have you signed a movie deal yet? No, but there's <laughs> a, there's a bunch of people. Who, yeah, so I mean, here's what's funny about it. Uh, you ask that question, but the book was actually uh, written. One of the things it was written for is I have a good friend of mine is a man named Burke Sharpless, and he's a screenwriter and a producer and director and the Lost in Space series. And Burke and I have been friends since college, and I literally I wrote it so he could make it. Oh, nice! Lost in space happened, and they signed him to like a four, you know, a four year deal, and he has yeah. no time. No to time make to, it. to do it. No time so, to do it. Right? So like, I, it was literally it was built for you know. I wrote it in, with with an eye towards that. Um, originally for a very specific, uh, per, you know, person. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of people in Hollywood who are kind of excited. I bet. Plus, I mean, what a great who doesn't want to be Lion Zorn. I mean, come on. I, Seriously, right? I, I mean, I love, I love the name. That's a, that's a powerful name. So, uh, you know, again, uh, cyberspace uh, uh, murder mystery, um, well worth the read. Last Tango in cyberspace. So, how much of it? And you didn't. Uh, I don't think I ever got a full answer on uh, how much do you think you had to change when you were writing okay, it. Okay, yeah. Okay. The, so, like, so, first of all, everything in the book, barring there's a central. There's a there's a new drug that's at the center of the book. Uh, that is, I'm a fan fictional. already. Oh, fictional. okay. Oh, no, that, okay, is, never that mind. one's fictional. Every <laughs> other thing in the book is real in a lab somewhere, or already being rolled out. And there's some really freaky, like AIs. We can now store information in diamonds, so you can start building computers out of diamonds and AIs out of wow. diamonds. That's in the book. Yeah. That's for, you know, really uh, space tourism, Bigelow, inflatable space hotel. That's a couple of years out. Um, but I will tell you, so I, uh, there's, v, there's not a lot of VR in the book, um, okay. uh, but there is some. 
uh, which is not to say I don't think VR won't be everywhere. It just wasn't everywhere in the world I was creating. I put it in where it showed up. But I, there's an, then we call it the I and I VR app, and it's a VR app in an airplane that allows you to get a nose cone view of the airplane and it flies along. I love that. Right? I love that. I, I mean, that created it. Yeah, but, way, it's already in existence. <laughs> I made it up, and by the time the book right. came out. Like, that was totally fabricated. I made it up, and my editor, my partner, said, dude, you got to patent these ideas. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, no, like, whatever. Literally before the book was done, it was in the real world. <laughs> I mean, it's a tremendous idea, right? I mean, the one of the one of the coolest things that they did, uh, you know, to get to where, what you're talking about as far as uh, VR and being, you know, have that nose cone view is on long flights, you were able to see where you were at on that screen in front of you. Made the flights, you know, you were, you could relax a little bit. You had an idea of how fast you were flying, where you were going. I mean, that just it helped so much that certainly that's the an extension of that. It's great. Well, I mean, who doesn't want like to see the Rocky Mountains, right? Like floating above. I mean, are you kidding? Like, you, you know, I like. I, so I come out of the action sports world um, yeah, as a, as a writer, and, and and I remember back, you know, people started riding. You'd see skiers like you know riding on the pontoons of helicopters right. back from like a day of skiing, yeah. and I was always like, oh my god, I I, I want to try that. <laughs> um, that would be amazing, but I don't necessarily know if I want to strap myself to a pontoon outside a helicopter. But I'll take the VR version for damn sure. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, even the you know, it, look, we. We all we all got the uh you know the cell phone vr headset and uh did what we could to step into that world from oculus but i mean i'm i'm ready for the next step but again that's not you know you that's not uh, a full-on what your latest novel is about but it's definitely going to be a part of our future no question um the and are you sure are you positive that the new pill or drug has not been designed yet uh, so I'm really not. And I mean, so, and what I mean by this is, so I was hired back in the nineties. I didn't end up doing the story because I was literally told that if I would be killed if I did the story, but I was hired by Rolling Stone to investigate new motorcycle grang underground where they were dis- producing a designer version of LSD where you only hallucinated in smells. Wow. Um, this was back in the nineties. So couple things to know about drug discovery. Low hanging fruit for both AI and quantum computing is drug discovery. It's almost what the technologies are built for. Same time, in my last book, Stealing Fire, I wrote about the work of a Scottish chemist named Lee Cronin. He's building a 3D chemistry printer. It works, you know, basically with a periodic table's worth of elements, and it's a 3D chemistry printer. It will print up any compound you sort of want. You start putting these things together, and sort like drug discovery itself as a yeah. field is going to massively accelerate, but you don't think there's going to be outlaw underground weird stuff going on. And, you know, the psychedelic culture, which I talk a lot about in my book, Stealing Fire, and a little bit in this book, um, at the underground chemist level, like, let's just yeah. say there are people doing some really weird stuff with compounds in directions you would yeah. never believe you could tilt consciousness. Um, and I'm not going to say it anymore because it's, you know, I, yeah, we're just going to leave it at that. Um, right. yeah, even that stuff, like, it's going on. Do I, do I think, like, the drug in the book expands empathy. Well, we know that happens anyways. All altered states of consciousness, um, over, periodic access to them, and this is research that came out of the Harvard Adult Development School of all places, shows that the more of these states you get over time, the kind of the wider empathy expands, the wider perspective expands. 
bound. So like we know already that there's a link between empathy and altered states of consciousness. We know drugs like ecstasy um, can be used to kind of help us. Sure. Um, and we know, by the way, this is Jeremy Bailson's work at Stanford. VR is phenomenal at producing empathy, right? Like they did that VR rendering of uh, a Syrian refugee camp, played it for everybody in the UN um, because it put you there and it massively right. shifted. Right, opinions, right. Like, We've got, so we, and, and, and the experiments go everywhere. They've got experiments now where, you know, you want to know what it's like to be a 70-year-old homeless African-American woman on the streets of Detroit. Well, go jump into their simulation. It's wild. So we are getting the technology and the pharmacology to start playing with things like empathy. That's really interesting. Yes, it is. And scary. <laughs> uh, and scary because uh, while we're looking for empathy, we're going to find uh, a number of other things. Uh, Stephen Cutler, thank you so much. I mean, I could keep you for another. We could go on and on and on. And I know you're a busy man, and, and, and so I'll let you go. The latest novel is uh, Last Tango in Cyberspace. Stephen Cutler. Stephen, thank you for joining us today on Chewing the Fat. I appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks for joining us on a quick little Saturday podcast that I like to do each week. Uh, this week was uh, Last Tango in Cyberspace uh, with Stephen Kotler. Uh, fascinating novel. If you have an opportunity, uh, go ahead and read it. Get you through the weekend. Holiday weekend coming up next weekend. Be a good choice. Hey, uh, don't forget to subscribe to uh, Chewing the Fat with uh, yours truly, Jeff Fisher. Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, if you, uh, you know, Apple Podcast, iTunes, uh, you can, uh, you know, rate and review, and it's, you know, 20 stars, best podcast ever, makes other people aware of the podcast. And then if you're using other platforms, just go ahead and leave a comment. It helps with uh, other people knowing about uh, knowing about the podcast. So uh, I appreciate it. Subscribe to Chewing the Fat. And don't forget, you're going to get uh, you're going to get the Saturday podcast. You're going to get the uh, Monday, Monday through Friday. Uh, and then you're going to get the special uh yeah, you're gonna get the specials. Any specials we do, boop, boop. you get the you get to hear. If you don't get the, boop. you're not subscribed. So if you look down to your phone every day and you go, I didn't hear, boop. you're not subscribed to Chewing the Fat. So you want to make that happen because your day cannot be complete. I know mine isn't unless I hear, boop. then it's complete. And don't forget, if you're listening to this live today. The I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to stop you there. How can you listen live to a podcast? Uh, you know what I mean. The, the day that we release it, that's live on Saturday, which is today. Yeah, the 18th, the 18th of May, 2019. That's that's the day we release it. So that's live. You know that because in the podcast just world is live. Please, that don't stop me. People know that they're they are along for the ride. They know that this is the day. The day that they listen is the day that it's live. Right. Yeah, something like that. But Monday, we're going to have a new Boop. Talking Thrones live. So you can participate. You can call in. You watch uh, Game of Thrones Sunday night. You can call in Monday afternoon, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, 888-900-3393. And you can be on our podcast. And if you don't want to be on our podcast, well, you know, it'll still... Screw you. You're still going to get the Boop. when we upload it. But, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to call in and participate in our Talking Thrones podcast. Screw you. Yeah. Chris said that, not me. 
we were doing the polka. 